Good morning, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Sneaky Little Half a Podcast. And by this week, I mean this month because it's been a crazy month. Um, and I am trying to get my life together and push on. So here we are. It is uh, the end of Pride Month, and I could not let this month go by without doing a Pride episode. So that's what we're doing today. Today we're going to have a special guest. His name is Colin Bedell. He's one of my longtime friends and he is an astrology guru and he's done a really amazing job at embracing a queer space in astrology. So please go check out his Instagram handle, which is Queer Cosmos and check out some of his content. He does readings and he's just, uh, he going to tell you who's who and what's what. And in the spirit of pride, I want to encourage everyone to make sure that they are doing their best to create safe spaces for the LGBTQIA community and for my fellow brothers and sisters within the community to make sure that you're showing love and solidarity to everyone under this umbrella. We all need to stand together and show each other love and stand strong as a community and not be divided. Um, And so that's all I have to say about that. Good morning, everyone. And today I have a special guest. We have uh, my friend Colin Bedell. He has been the bane of my existence for way too long. And <laughs> so today he's going to come on and join me for this week, this month's episode, which is um, Pride Month. Are, are you there? I'm here, honey. I'm just laughing at you. You're like, this week, this month, I don't know what time is anymore. I can't stand this bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so first of all, the reason why it's taken so long for me to release an episode this month is because, you know, we've been in quarantine. Yeah. Then I had vertigo and I went to the doctor. She was oh. like, oh, your ears are impacted with wax. So she gave me ear, ear drops to break it up. Then um, the vertigo never went away. So I went to a physical therapist to get the Epley maneuver because there's crystals in your ear. They come out of place. The crystals send the signal to your brain about your equilibrium. So you have, they do like a series of positions to get the crystals back in place, Yo. but it wasn't working because that wasn't the problem because when I went back to the doctor to get my ears unclogged first of all she went in with a douche in my ear and was like whoosh, 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 whoosh. I was like oh bitch hold shit take me up to dinner first and then when the ears then she went in with these tweezers <laughs> to take out the stubborn parts and then when she looked in she was like oh shit you she, you got an infection. Well, so that was the that was the problem from the beginning. So, anyways, when did all that happen? Because you know Mercury's been retrograde since June 18th. Literally, that's the week. That's the week that this all happened. Yeah. So if you had talked to me first, and I would have said you can go to the doctor, but I don't know if the prognosis is going to be accurate. Both. Oh damn, damn. But that's fine. Like power through Scorpio. So yeah, Mercury retrograde snafu. How so anyways, so now we're here. So Colin, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself, and uh, most importantly, how you know such an amazing person like me. Okay, because I'm a cunt and so are you. And <laughs> um, I'm an astrologer, uh, but I started out as, you know, just a South Shore Long Island boy, which is where I met you. Mm-hmm. Uh, formerly, I think it was 2010, right? It was, that's, it was, yeah, 2009, 2010 is when we connected, reconnected. I had known of you in high school and now here we are. Uh, and I know you because you are the archetype of the high-minded scorpionic energy to me. You are very trustworthy. You are extremely private about what is yours and transparent about what other people need to know, but you keep your stories to yourself that need to be confidential. Mm-hmm. And I think that Scorpio discernment is really inspiring. Uh, you have an enormous amount of integrity. You have always lived your life from a basis of truth. 
And I just think that you are a person who, when I reflect on Scorpionic energy or I'm counseling a Scorpio, I always think of the people I love that embody the energy the most. And when I'm talking to a Scorpio son, I always think of you. Oh, thank you. Stop it. Keep going. Stop. No, um, so, so talk a little bit about your work. Sure. So as you know, because when we met in the early 2000s, I was yapping about astrology then. Uh, and it was always something that I loved as a hobby, as a trade. It was just something that I couldn't stop learning about. And I really had no intention. I think you can confirm this. I had no intention of becoming a professional astrologer until like I had no other choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I actually think in retrospect, that was such a blessing because I was never trying to learn so that I could do this or become that or get to know that person. Cause people know when you have like a gig, you know, mm-hmm. but I was doing it because I loved it. And then in 2017, I was fired from my day job and I had already started an astrology website and told my astrologer colleagues that I wanted to work in the field. And then as soon as I was fired and I told my friends, you know, I'm ready to jump in because I don't have a choice. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. And uh, I love this line because you'll appreciate it as an artist. Poet Rilke said that the best art is born out of necessity. Yeah, And I think, not that I'm a, my best art, but I think, you know, we're seeing that even today with Black Lives Matter, with police reform, with so much. I mean, I think we're out of necessity. This resurgence, this renaissance of progressive thinking and creativity has emerged because we cannot continue going on this way. Yeah. So we need to think of an alternative possibility. Right. And that's interesting that you say that because, well, I don't want to speak about your experience, but from my perspective, back in, in that day when you were still trying to figure out which direction with path your life was was taking it felt like you hadn't fully realized your purpose and that was manifesting in so many different parts of your life including your relationships and for me watching from the outside and knowing you for so long seeing you fall into that purpose and really dive all the way in it was like he's doing exactly what he's supposed to be doing this is where what he's supposed to be doing where he's supposed to be and he's putting the wheels into motion and uh it was really magical to watch actually oh baby i love that we started like this fucking bitch debating my existence gemini scorpio oh my god i love you so much (laughs) well the other thing and we've talked about this before too when we were younger although we were so close and we were inseparable we used to drive each other crazy but this being close to someone who's the opposite we're opposite signs right we're on the opposite sides of the yes you could say that because you're a sag rising and i'm a gemini sun so yes there's a lot of polarity opposition go ahead yeah so being really close to someone who is the opposite of you teaches you a lot about yourself it's like holding up a mirror to yourself because it's like that's not how i would do that's not what i would do and it it, it forces you to reflect and be like hold up it's like no but wait hold up and um i learned a lot about well also because my moon is gemini right Right. it was like studying a part of myself that you know i don't show or really connect with Oh, and that's really, wait, and can I just say too, there were many people who I think helped me understand that like, when I was in a stress response, I would go into like over-functioning, right? Like people pleasing and avoiding or like trying to like do right by everybody and whatever. Mm -hmm. But you were really like the Scorpio to teach me the power of no. And teach me the power of like, you can be in a moment of discomfort and not lose a connection with another human being by saying, no, I can't this week, but maybe another time. Yeah. 
you and speaking of mirror like you were the one to teach me that mm -hmm. and then on that point of like the gemini moon and the gemini something i think it's interesting that you said like this is a part of you that you don't often connect with because i think this is actually like a queer astrological lens right because your moon is in gemini and in astrology and spiritual circles the moon is considered like the magnetic the, the feminine i'm putting air quotes because i don't really think gender should be in astrology but like that receptive, emotionally curious kind of area of our astrology. And I don't find that male identified folks are often encouraged to celebrate their moon sign and encourage their moon sign because what's the dominant social code for the American male is emotional stoicism. So God forbid you investigate your moon sign. Like that's exactly what the culture wouldn't want you to do because then you'd be given permission to be as multidimensional as you are. So that's also, I think, where we connect really deeply is that you and I actually could benefit from talking through our emotions and just fact-checking emotions and reading about them mm -hmm. more than people because Gemini is the ruler of our emotional landscape. Okay. And as queer men, we should have the permission to do that. Yes, queen. Yes, queen. So yeah. let's let's um let's talk about you know I, I felt it would be irresponsible to do an episode and not at mm -hmm. least touch about the current political climate of what's what's going on with the Black Lives Matter movement. And I've been very vocal about it on my I my Facebook, that. my Instagram. We did a Zumba fundraiser um, and we were able to raise nine hundred dollars that we donated to the NAACP. Um, so what are, what are your some of your thoughts about everything that's going on right now? Well, first, I really want to, I don't want to give you brownie points, right? Because, you know, we're, we're not trying to center our identities here, but that must have been difficult because I know who your family works for. Mm -hmm. And I just want to acknowledge that like you're walking a really sharp tension and it's not easy and it's really brave and I'm proud of you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, for people, because this is a podcast, I am very much a white man. And so I don't want to center my identity here in the conversation. But for sure, I think that what is happening in the astrological backdrop with Black Lives Matter and really just the racial equity conversation is America is having its day of reckoning. And that is absolutely in its astrology as well. I won't bore you with like the astrological transits of it, but there is a notion in spirituality and astrology as well as how when things from the past are not properly atoned and amended, it will come back. Because the Course in Miracles says that all life is is a set of lessons faithfully rehearsed. Mm. And, and I don't believe, and I'm sure you would agree, that the United States has really properly dealt with its involvement in the transatlantic African slave trade. Mm -hmm. It hasn't properly dealt with the 400 years of institutionalized white supremacy through the egregious conditions of, of slavery. And then in the post-Reconstruction era, where were the slaves freed to go to do what? Then you saw Jim Crow, then you saw the Ku Klux Klan. You saw all these ways that slavery, although freed, racism became enshrined in American legislation and policy. The vast majority of Americans do not know that history. We are indoctrinated in education, not actually educated, yeah. right? Yeah. And in our parents' lifetime, we saw the desegregation of the American South. It happened in 1965. So we have approximately 400 to 450 years worth of reckoning to deal with the fact that we have not had racial equity in this country. Mm -hmm. And we are being confronted with that. And what are we going to do about it? Because it's reared its ugly head in criminal justice, mass incarceration, um, economic opportunities, housing opportunities, voter suppression. And we're waking up to that. And I think the beauty of this happening in the backdrop of Saturn entering Aquarius and the North Node in Gemini is that we're talking about it. We're listening. We're learning. We're understanding that the American public education system is an indoctrination, not an education.
Yeah. Right? I think yep. that's, that's one of the biggest things that I noticed is people have a really hard time and it comes down to empathy on being able to understand an experience that isn't your own. And th- I find that there's a lot of people who have a hard time understanding that when the system was built, it was not built for a certain population. And that has manifested in so many different ways of their experience today. And people have a really hard time understanding that. They do, because I think that, you know, in the American culture, culture is this, you know, hurrah, 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 God bless America, we don't do anything wrong, right? And interestingly enough, like, I don't want to romanticize uh, Abraham Lincoln, because he also had complicated views on race. But he had a really beautiful idea that a nation could should confess its sins. And he wanted to have a national day of, uh, of, of apology. Mm. where he would apologize to the indigenous Americans. Yes, nations. he would apologize to the descendants of the African slaves. Mm-hmm. And just before that was enshrined in Congress, he was assassinated. Wow. And so the history then becomes, you know, what what do we really know about American involvement in the transatlantic African slave trade? What do we really know about the fact that we went to this continent and kidnapped, right? Like millions of, of, of Africans, brought them here, separated family. Like that's a serious, egregious crime against humanity. And America is having its day of reckoning. Now, from a spiritual point of view, stuff has to be detoxed and released in order to be healed. So with, from a metaphysician's point of view, I'm looking at this like, yep, great, good. Because if we really go all the way with this conversation, if we really go there, theoretically, we're not going to have to deal with this again. Mm-hmm. But it has to be brought up. It's kind of like what you were saying with, with the doctor's experience, right? Like you needed to have the symptoms of pain. You needed to go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. And it has to be addressed to be healed. And that's what we're in right now. America has, you know, a one-on-one fever and the immune system, the protests, the activism, we're coming in, we're talking, we're discoursing, and theoretically, we can really remove this disease once and for all if we commit to the work. Boom. Yeah, you got to do the work. Do the work, baby. Do the work. And we got to work, bitch. America, America, you better work. (laughs) I think it is. What do you think? Like, do you think the country is working? I mean, you know, we're a couple of days away from Independence Day. But uh, what do you think? What are you seeing? Um, I mean, I'm definitely seeing shifts. I'm, I'm starting to see people are more engaged politically. People are hitting the streets. People are having difficult conversations. I think we have a long way to go and a lot of work to do, but we're seeing more work being done than we've seen in the past. Right. Um, you know, but um, all right, so let's, let's shift gears a little bit. Okay. Let's talk about Pride. Let's do it. So we're at the end of Pride Month. This weekend would really be the weekend that would be uh, Pride NYC. It's actually been really emotional to watch the global live streaming, the global Pride, because it's been a window into the Pride experience for other countries. I literally started crying because I was watching, they were in Estonia, and some of the Pride representatives from Estonia were saying that they're only allowed to have Pride every three years. So now that they've missed their Pride, they're going to have to wait again to have another one. And they were like, we really needed this right now. And they were saying that right now their government has has recently been pushed far right. So it's incited a lot of violence. It's incited, incited a lot of you know prejudice against them. I was like, oh, and I'm dead. And I'm over here like, oh my God, I can't go to New York City for pride. And I'm just like, bitch. But anyway, so yeah, so it's, it's been really cool to see. It, it feels like a sense of connection that I've never really had before for global pride. You know what I mean? Being able to really see the solidarity from all over the world. It was really, really touching. It was really cool to, to, to see. 
Can I put a footnote on that and say that like it actually goes back to what you were saying about how it's difficult for people to have empathy for experiences that they are not in. Mm-hmm. Right. So like perhaps with people who are not black or non-black people of color or just totally white. Right. So how do we have empathy for those experiences? And then also how do we have the consciousness to entertain what's happening in Estonia with pride? Right. And there's actually an astrological orientation around that. And we're going to have a resurgence, Andrew, of Aquarian energy. Right. And if I remember, I don't know if you have it. I don't think you have a ton of Aquarians in your family or friends, but the notion of Aquarius is the idea of shared humanity. So although I am a white person, any level of, of, of institutional oppression or system of racism against black people does affect me because in the level of shared humanity, we are each other. And the same is true for what you're experiencing in Estonia, right? Mm-hmm. Is you went, wow, like I deeply empathize with this. No, I don't know the experience, but I know the emotional underpinning of anticipation and longing. And then mm-hmm. my expectation was unmet. Yeah, connecting there, and I think that what we're going to see over the next few years is this massive, massive resurgence of like a digital collective connectivity, a unity consciousness, where we understand that none of us are free unless all of us are free. Boom. I don't want to have a pride unless all of us have a pride. Boom. And that's radical. That's totally radical. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I just wanted to underpin that connection that you made because now you're sh- framing this perspective in a different way. And, and I'll just say this about empathy and then I'll stop yapping, is that when it comes to empathy, we often believe that we have to go through the same experience in order for me to be a qualified empathy holder, right? So say I'm talking to a mother who just lost a child. I'm not a mother and I never lost a child. So one would think, oh, I cannot hold space for this experience, right? But in all the research on empathy, and this was actually done by a nursing scholar out of the University of Southampton in, in the United Kingdom, mm-hmm. research points to the fact that when you know the emotion that underpins the experience, so in that example, it would be grief, egregious pain, mm-hmm. unimaginable loss, then you are absolutely qualified to hold empathy. We think we have to have gone through the same experience, but we don't. Right. We need to know the emotion. And in fact, the highest amount of empathic failure actually occurs when people go through the same experience because there's a lot of projections and assumptions. So mm-hmm. like, because I'm sure you've had something go down, like a heartbreak of betrayal, a moment of unkindness, and you went to go tell somebody and they go, I know just how you feel. And off they run, yeah. tell a story of their own, and you don't know what the fuck they're talking about. And you're like, no, you don't know how I feel, bitch. Yeah. Right? So I just thought that that's interesting is when it comes to empathy, it's emotion and not experience that matters. Mm-hmm. That is true. Like that is the first thing when you're having a, an emotionally charged conversation in any setting. It's like the first thing that happens is someone wants to share. That happened to you. Let me tell you what happened to me. It's similar. Instead of being like, well, how did that make you feel? What space does that put you in? So yeah. I hate that so much. Can I just tell you? I hate that. <laughs> you know that's called in the research literature? A grief thief. Ooh! Which astrological sign would you say is the biggest perpetrator? Most guilty. I know which one you want me to say, and I'm not going to fucking say it. So shut the fuck up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I think everybody can do it, honestly, because I think that what it speaks to is I cannot hold space for your pain because I have not hold, held space for my own. So yeah. I'm going to put it back to me as a red herring, when really it's just the most qualified people who can hold space for the suffering and bearing witness to the pain of others are those who have done their own work. Yeah. Anybody who brings it right back to them or avoids and people pleases or whatever, it's just because they haven't really done the digging and God bless, I hope they do it. 
Yeah. So tell me a little bit about career astrology and your work in that area. So as you know, my friend Meow, who uh, <laughs> her full name is uh, Christina Shinyi Mui. She's a Chinese American lesbian born and raised in Brooklyn. Okay. Oh, I love her. That's my girl. That's my opposite sign. And her and I started really researching astrology almost at the same time, you know, early, you know, 2010, 2011. And we were really struck by how the vast majority of horoscopes and literature and websites out there did not censor queer voices, did not make our stories amplified, did not have a level of inclusion. So we were like, well, I guess we'll do it ourselves. And so we are, we certainly don't claim to be the first, the last, or the only queer astrologers, right? Like there are in the field. I have, we're actually going to have a round table tonight uh, and another conversation I'm about to have. So we're certainly not the first, the last, or the only. It's just, it's that place to put kind of all the things that you said earlier, like all the considerations that I've been having about astrology, spirituality, relationships, history, et cetera. And it's been such a dream come true because it really is the place that I get to put all these weird curiosities I've had my whole life. And it's a, it's a complicated place to be in because I have to queer, right? So meaning I have to bring queries and question like, well, wait a minute, is that actually true? According to whom? And astrologers don't often like to have me ask those questions. Mm. I'll have to do it anyway, right? Because if I feel that their system does not line up with the research and the experience that I'm seeing, I have to speak up. Mm -hmm. And I have been criticized and silenced a few times, but I don't really give a shit because I'm not here for them. Never have been, never will. Thank you. And so that's the, I think that's the role of the queer astrologer. Like, especially I think for people who are vastly uninitiated to astrology, I think even the binary of good or bad compatibility, that's heteronormative, Andrew. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. the vast majority of heterosexual people, God bless, they're always like, are we compatible or not? Whereas queer people are like, I don't fucking know. Like, let's just figure it out. Let's reconstruct our relational norm. Sure. Mm -hmm. Of a relationship. You can be married to this person and get sexual needs met elsewhere. Who cares? Yeah. Right. So it's I think we have a lot of areas and bailiwicks in astrology that we're responsible to to understand and review. And that's how I see my work today. But it could totally evolve here on in, but that's where I stand currently. Okay. And so you wrote a book. I did. I wrote this book because I, I, at my core, I'm a researcher. And the number one public health crisis in the United States pre-COVID is loneliness. Woo! Call my doctor. My heart hurts. I put a song. Look at it. Okay. So that's really where the whole origin of the book began is because I was like, you know, what could I say that hasn't already been said before? Or what could I contribute mm -hmm. that's of value to this moment, you know, yes. and as evergreen as possible? And I'm such a fan of the relational sciences. I love learning about all the ways that people can connect. I'm constantly studying from couples counselors, marriage family therapists, relational psychodynamics literature. And I was like, you know, let me put this in an astrology book. Yeah. Because I think that people have a deeper listening for astrology right now. And the number one thing we need to address is how are you using spirituality to increase the quality of your relationships with others? Boom. Because the sole determiner of our life quality, Andrew, is our relationships. And so if an astrologer, if I'm not utilizing this extraordinary opportunity of a literary uh, contract to speak to that, to speak to loneliness, what are the health crisis implications? What gets in the way of our richest relationships? How can you use astrology to extend that outward, I think I would be irresponsible with the work. And that's where it started. And it is an homage to queer people because we've been reinventing relational norms for eons, you know, yep. chosen family. That's a queer consideration. The ballroom community. Yeah. You know, like there's so many specific examples where we have reinvented 
what it means to connect with other people. So we have this complementary wisdom we need to share. And we're the last people that should be sitting out this discussion. Mm-hmm. And so that's what Queer Cosmos at least attempts to be. Um, and I hope it's of value to the people who read it. What's the title? Queer Cosmos, The Astrology of Queer Identities and Relationships. Boom. Go on Amazon, go to your bookstore, pick it like, up. I got student loans to pay, bitch. So like, please buy my book. <laughs> you know, for it's nice to have something for us. Do you know what I mean? For queer culture. And uh, I feel like it's it's a market that's not really tapped into that much. So it adds to our visibility and I, I, I'm really happy about it. Yay, thank you. I agree. And I think we're, we're often talking about astrology. So it's like, what the hell? And by no means, again, do I have a monopoly on this conversation? You know, there could be a ton of astrological books in that space. But I really just wanted to address like, what exactly we can do to learn how to connect relationally with others and what interrupts that and shame as a queer issue, right? Like, why do we believe that we're fundamentally unworthy of love and belonging? Where does that come from? And how can we use astrology to have a system to remind us of our essential worthiness for the relationships to determine the quality of our life? Boom. All right, so let's talk about coming out. Okay, you go first. Um, okay, so coming out, I, uh, I had a boyfriend in high school and, um, what the fuck was it? uh, his name was Jose. I didn't know he was your boyfriend in high school. Yeah. I didn't but, know that. Okay, uh, go ahead. So anyways, it was Christmas time. Now there's, there are sections of the story, um, that are a little bit more personal. So I'm not going to share and things afterwards and yada, yada, but I'm going to tell the funny bit because that's why we're here. Okay, bitch. Um, so I, he had written me like a Christmas card and he got me like a teddy bear and, and stuff, Aww. all this stuff. So I had, so, you know, we had exchanged gifts at school and stuff like that. So I had some gifts in my room da, 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 da. and my mom went in there to like, look at the gifts, you know, whatever. But she, fucking Virgo, I uh, Oh my God. She's like, she's like, let me invest them again. So, um, she starts reading the cards. Right. So now I, I see that she's doing this and I'm in the living room and I'm like, what the fuck do I do? Because in my mind, I was like, okay, you have a decision to make. You can go in there and be like, no, no, don't read this to which she's going to be like, Oh no, now bitch, I need to read it. it. (laughs) Or I could take my chances. Okay. Maybe she won't read it. So, so I was like, I made the decision. I took the chance and she read it. So she comes over, she goes, she goes, um, who's Jose? And I said, wait, She's like, who's, who's Jose? And um, literally, okay, so this is like the fight or flight, okay? Right. I was just going to say, like, did you, did you feel your stomach drop to your asshole? Yes. Like, my, my bolitas were in my throat like this. So I thought I was going to be kicked out of the house. Like, I thought, like, that was it. So I quite literally said the very first thing that came into my mind, which was this. Oh, um, Jose, that's my girlfriend, Josefina, but she's a tomboy, so we call her Jose. That is what I came up with. That was my lie, okay? To which my my mom's response was, she she looked at me, and she says, what do you think, I was born yesterday? That's what I remember. And then what did you do? Because your bolitas are in your throat at that point. So... I I was like, I, I can't deal with this. I stormed off and I cried and cried and cried and cried and cried. And uh, that's where the story will end. But yeah, so now, even to this day, Josefina is my favorite name. <laughs> Josefina. I remember that. And I was like, I think I remember this story. But I forgot how your mother responded. 
Oh my gosh. She's like, I'm your fucking mother. Like, do you really think I'm stupid? <laughs> yeah, I know. But who do I think that I am? Oh, that's great. Especially her. Like, she's like the most like observant. Like, oh yeah, she's a Virgo. Yeah. Nothing gets past those bitches. No. Not nunca. Oh no. my god, that is so funky, fucking funny. Do you remember when you came out? I do. I actually came out in this state. I'm currently recording in North Carolina because I've been quarantining here since the whole thing erupted. And it wasn't it it, it wasn't necessarily funny, so I, I'm I don't want to bring down the mood, but it wasn't sad either. I, I we had just moved out of Long Island and my family bought a home in North Carolina and that's where we moved. And it was the summer that I had my first boyfriend and my grandfather passed away, who was my mother's father, and we moved. And it was just like a club. It was doomsday, I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, now would be a good time to tell my mother, by the way, <laughs> day two, right? I know you got a lot to worry about. But <laughs> I, I told her, and she, she was laying down because she was like stretching out on the floor. She was like, and we didn't have any furniture at the time. So she was just laying down. I could literally picture it. Oh my God, I know, lanky bitch just laying down. And I said, Ma, here we go, I'm gay. And she was like, oh my God, you fucking told me when we moved to the South. And I was like, I know, I know, I'm sorry. And then I was like, listen, and I want to tell the family because you know, I'm very close to my immediate and extended family. Like we're all yeah. one community, just like yours. Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, I want to tell the family. She's like, okay, I respect that, right? But did she? Because when I came home the next day, she was like, listen, she practically kicked the door off the fucking hinges when she walked into the apartment. Listen. <laughs> I know you told me not to tell anybody, but I told your uncles, I told your grandmother, I told your father too, because I said, if you got a problem with my gay son, you need to tell me right now because I'm out. To come and tell you, and you say something I don't like. Yeah. So let you know, I'm sorry, I told them, but I had to, all right? And I was like, did any of them have a problem? She goes, no, we're going over to Antarines later, so get dressed. <laughs> I love it. She went into mom. Yeah, she was trying to protect you. Because that's what you do when you're a mother. You're so scared of what other people's um, perceptions and, and hangups and all that shit is going to affect your child and their development and future and all this stuff. 100%. And you and I, we're very blessed because we love our mothers and they're very yeah. strong and powerful in different ways. Yep. And we know that like that gave us such a head start. And even our dads, I think that they're maybe not perhaps the most like demonstrative and vocal, but that support and acceptance is there. Mm-hmm. You know? And uh, I'm, I'm so, I, I am so blessed to have the family that I have. And I understand that it really gave me such, uh, you know, a, a faster speed and a head start because they have loved me ever since. Yeah. Um, but that, that's my coming out story. And they have been, they've taken care of me since mm-hmm. then always. And like just last week, my brother came down with a Shit's Creek. You know the show Shit's Creek? Yeah. I don't watch it, but I know, I know it. So my brother fell in love with it, wanted everybody to watch it because my brother loves something. Everybody else has to love it. <laughs> oh my God. So he came down with the pride edition of their memorabilia and my whole family took a picture in like the rainbow colors. And oh, oh my, I fucking love them, man. I, I know, it's just so sweet. I'm, yeah. I'm so, so, so blessed in that way. And I know, and I really know. And I think it's interesting. Like, let's get super vulnerable. Do you ever feel a little nervous to like share just how supportive your family is at the risk of maybe belittling or making other people feel less than because like you don't have that problem do you ever feel a little like self-conscious that you need to edit that um with you you mean like within a conversation with the the gay community with like you and others like other queer people right like do you ever kind of go you ever get a little like oh 
I don't have that problem. And I, I'm going to just not take up too much space here. Um, I've never felt that way because I, it wasn't always that way for me. Right, 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 right. My, you know, my mom was, my mom never cared that I was gay. That wasn't really an issue for her. Her thing was she was scared that someone was going to do something to me. Like That was her thing. She was petrified for the world's response to me. And she just really wanted to, to protect me. And then with my dad, my pops, it was... Uh, a journey with him and we we spent a long time both of us in an uncomfortable space with each other but you know my mom told me one my mom be saying some shit and at the time i'm like mom what are you even talking about and then later on like damn that bitch was right (laughs) she said sometimes the only way to resolution is through conflict and it wasn't until me and my dad really had it out on thanksgiving that's another story and it wasn't until that day that um, we were able to really move forward and progress. And now, fast forward to now, he's, you know, he's like, oh, you've been on any dates lately? Like, what's going on? And And I'm actively trying to be more... Uh, forthcoming with my personal life with my family and and uh not wow you know shy away from my queer my queer life and my queer stories um so you know sometimes i shock them a little bit sometimes i shock them but i think that it's important for me um to feel like i can be safe with my family and and share the way that they share do you know what i mean Yes, yes, yes. And this goes back to what I said earlier about what I'm really impressed by you is I think you have a really accurate litmus test on like what is meant to be shared with the right people at the right time. Mm-hmm. You know, so you really have that like scorpionic, you know, focus. And something that I just had to relearn this week, and I think it's important to share here and with your listeners, is that the only pattern that connects the most meaningful relationships with others, the key ingredient is self-disclosure. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, isn't that really powerful? Like, if we just yeah. left that all the way in, that it's, and the, the exact definition, I loved it. I memorized it. Sustained, personal, escalating, reciprocal self-disclosure. What'd you call me? <laughs> Your Scorpio's like, I'm, I'm not self-disclosing nothing. Escalating. <laughs> what do you mean? Right? You're going to have to pay extra for that. <laughs> I know. I know. But it is, I just think it's important to have that name. And I think that's, that's why your relationship with your pops is going to go in wonderful places because you're self-disclosing. Yeah. And when we don't allow other people to hear our stories or hold the weight of our stories out of fear of rejection, criticism, abandonment, what are they going to say? What are they going to think? The very thing that we're trying to protect ourselves from, we actually create, which is isolation. Mm-hmm. And I spent many, many years in isolation, especially I, when I'm it just- comes to my family. I'm thinking of the basement. Yeah, the basement. Yeah, yeah right. No, and I was just like, um, okay, so I'd like to share in the spirit of pride. Yes. I was like, do I have any funny pride stories or yes, anything I'm interesting sure that's, that's queer relative? And last summer, if you remember, I, I, t- I think I told you this story, but I'm going to tell it to the podcast. I'm I'll act surprised. Okay, last summer I went, me and my cousin Lakeisha went um, to Europe. We went to Amsterdam, Lisbon, and then France. 
okay? When we went to Lisbon, so we were in Lisbon, which we loved. We loved the food. Um, we loved the culture. It was breathtaking. Um, and it was cheap. It was like not expensive. We really loved Lisbon. But the thing about Lisbon was that it was very um, discreet. Mm. And, you know, I, ha- I came up with an itinerary. Of course. That as a general guide of like things that we could do so that we had something at all times, but we weren't married to it and right. we weren't, you know, afraid to deviate from it. So we had that, but we also were like Googling places and like looking at reviews and seeing things that were in the neighborhood. So if there was something of interest, we could go check it out. And, you know, me and Lakeisha were like very, very much about the vibe. We want rooftop bars. We yeah. want, we want, um, you know, little cute eats and drinks and this and that. So we would Google these places and find like, oh, this looks really, has a lot of reviews. People said the vibes are right. Da, da, da. And we would go to the address and there's not like, it just looks like houses. We're like, is this it? Is this not it? And um, it was just very, very discreet. And oftentimes we had trouble like actually finding the places, the entrance to the places that we were trying to go. So we, um, we, we looked up this one bar. Okay. It was called, I think it was called five. We couldn't find it at first. We go around the back and there's like a doorway. There's no people in sight. We're like, I don't know. This looks like somebody's house. Right. So we're like, no, we're just going to fucking go in. So we go in, there's these velvet curtains. So we walk through and then it just transforms into this little beautiful, beautiful lounge full of people. What? Out on the street, we couldn't hear a peep. We entered this fucking place is full of people. And the reason it was called five was because it makes you feel like a child. Like when we sat at the bar, the, the bar is really high and the chairs are low. And then the drinks were all like children's book themes and stuff like I that. Love I love it. I it was so cool. And so we were talking to them and we were talking to the bartenders. And I was like, listen, look, we need to know. Why is everything so hard to find? Like, are you guys hiding something? What's going on? And he's like, no. He's like, you know, Portugal is a very um, conservative country. So, you know, a lot of, it's just a part of our culture to be discreet and stuff like that. And I was like, okay, so tell us about the gay places. Where do I need to go? Yes. And uh, he's like, okay, there's this place, right? I forgot what it was called all of a sudden. But uh, there's this place. What do you call it? Oh, oh, El Finament. El Finament. Okay. And um, he's like, when all the bars close, that's the bar that you go to. Okay. And he was like, but you have to ring the doorbell and someone will come and let you in. I'm like, what kind of, (laughs) what kind of spy shenanigans are you trying to get me into? But you couldn't wait. You were like, I'm going now. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I was like, that is the scariest thing I've ever heard. I was like, Lakeisha, grab your purse. Right. (laughs) So, so now, okay, bitch, we got to go. So it's two o'clock in the morning, the bar closes. So we go to this place. And again, it just looks like somebody's house, right? And so we're like, all right, bitch, this is it. We might get kidnapped, but at least we're together, right? So we ring the doorbell. A guy comes out and he's like, can I help you? I was like, yeah, um, we're looking for uh, Finament. He was like, oh, this is it. He's like, follow me. I was like, bitch. (laughs) She starts taking us down the stairs. I was like, bitch. (laughs) <laughs> bitch i was like thank god i have razor blades hidden in my hair because i'm not fucking around <laughs> so we get down and it's like it's 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 a gay club oh, so we're drinking we're dancing now cut to four o'clock in the morning the lights dim and there's a stage with a curtain 
Okay, the lights dim, the curtain opens. There's three drag queens dressed like nuns. They turn around and do the entire beginning sequence to Sister Act. I was like, yeah. I was like, I'm home. I'm right. home. This is where I'm supposed to be at four o'clock. First of all, who does a drag show at four o'clock in the 4 morning? I know, like show starts at four o'clock in the morning. What? Yeah. I love it. I was like, oh my God, living my best fucking life. And it was just, it was amazing. It was amazing. And for, you know, people who don't know, Sister Act is one of my favorite movies. Whoopi Goldberg is like my idol. She's a Scorpio too, you know. Of course she is. Come on now. Of course she is. And now, didn't the nuns do something on stage, or did I make up a story in my head? No, they did the beginning, uh, beginning sequence, and then they they pulled off their robes. Okay. And they did a the whole thing. What? Why? What were you thinking? I could, did, oh, did, that's a different story. Different story. Okay, you're like, no, no, you, you're okay, because I thought that's where this was going to go, and I was like, oh my god. So no, you win with Pride stories because nothing I have could ever compare to that. Yeah, because no. so that was also during Pride. Um, when we were in Amsterdam, the story you're thinking of is a drag show in Amsterdam that was too graphic to um, talk about on this podcast. Um, but it was... Thank God I didn't say because that's like, wait, didn't they? And I like didn't. I didn't, I didn't say you it. You know what? F- fuck it. Let me tell it. Let yeah, me fucking tell it. Who gives this shit? Yes. Tell the fucking story. So we're in Amsterdam, right? Same best, thing. It's it's best cities in the world. Period. Oh, love loved it. We went to a music festival, Mystic Gardens, in Amsterdam, and it was it was bananas. It was so fucking awesome. Um. So, anyways, there's there was we were walking by one day, and there was this one club that every day of the week was like a different thing. Wednesday was like jockstrap night. So like you check your clothes at the door and this and that. And one of them was like clothing optional. Um. All this stuff, right? So I went by myself on one of the days, none of your fucking business. And uh, so I went by myself and I made friends with this French guy. Okay. And we were like dancing. And then they started a drag show. So we were watching the drag show and it was, uh, you know, this drag queen, she was just doing a performance. It was, it was uh, an American song. I didn't recognize the artist though. Um, But then while she's performing, this guy comes out and he's wearing a helmet. Football helmet, football shoulder pads, and a jock strap, and that's it. Okay. So then she starts while she's oh my god, this is so graphic. Say it. While she's while she's performing, she starts fingering this guy. Okay. And me and the French guy are watching. We're like, what is going on? And um, one finger turns into two, two fingers turns into four. And Pierre says, I think that is all the fingers. I was like, you are so right, Pierre. You are so right. literally fisting this guy while she's lip syncing the song she's still performing okay it was just we were just like what who where oh my gosh and it's like it's like one of those moments that you wish that you were with somebody you knew so that they could verify that this is really happening and you know how i am i'm like i can't wait to tell this story (laughs) and you had you told it it's and I loved it, and I thought that the, I thought that happened in the same night. No, no, different cities. Oh my god, that is so funny. And that's, I think that's why I really just love the queer community because, like, you literally just never fucking know what you're gonna get. It's, <laughs> you it's, don't. It's always a surprise. It's always yeah. something campy and funny and yeah. and wild. And I, some of my best nights were like on Fire Island in the clubs with you, just like dancing and living our best fucking life. And that's really like. If you want to talk about a Pride Peak experience, it pales in comparison to those stories, but it actually happened uh, 2016. 
and I was at the corner of where my uh, school is at Parsons, so it's Fifth and Fourteenth Street, right? Mm-hmm. And you know how like all the 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 parade when it comes by, it's like trucks blasting music, you know. And just as it got to my stop, "Slave for You" by Britney Spears came on, and oh my god, I love her, and I love that choreography. And the next thing I know, I'm going, bow, 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 bow. you know, yes! right? Yes, yes. And the whole city started dancing with me. And that was absolutely, and then you know the part when she's like, like that whip crack? Yes. Right? Like somebody cracked a whip, and I was just like, yeah. I, I thought I was like at the VMAs when she walks out with the snake. Like you <laughs> couldn't tell me nothing. You could not tell and today, <laughs> I'll tell you, I'm gonna record myself doing the choreography and like upload it on Instagram and be like happy pride. Now watch me. Yes. Um you've been doing that. I've been seeing that you've been doing like Britney Spears and stuff on your Instagram. Um, That's my girl, Andrew. And I always wanted because you're you are a dancer. I am not. This is a hobby. Mm-hmm. This is something that I like to do. I have always wanted to do like a full fledged like yes with you like we got to figure out how to do we it. Get, um, also, did you listen to the new album? Glory, not yet. No, I know. Ooh. So I was like, I, can, uh, I loved it. I okay. loved it because it was dynamic. There's different vibes going on. She's like really singing, full range singing. You know, it's not like a, a three note melody because. You know, Britney Spears can sing. People like to imitate and make fun in this. You know, Britney Spears can sing. She has a specific voice, but she can. She's still a singer. Um, so I, I you about that. Yeah. And I, I know we're running out of time, but I got to ask you, what? Because I don't want to project. Between Britney and Christina, who's a bigger gay icon? Who? <sighs> That's a very tough question. I think they're icons for different reasons. Right. Um, I, for me, Christina has been more active when it comes to standing for LGBT issues Mm. for me. Um, like when she came out with beautiful, that was the first time I felt like, holy shit, we're on fucking TV. Like people are watching us and I'm going to cry. It was a huge moment of visibility when that moment came out. Aww. And that, that was actually me and Jose's song. It came out and we were just like, oh my God. That's our song. And like perfect route, like full circle moment. Uh, I'm going to cry my eyes out and listen to that song later. No, just uh, so, you know. love uh, it. Yeah. No, she's, she's earned her stripes for sure. I think I just always loved Britney. I, I didn't dislike Christina. I just connected to Britney more. Okay. But, I mean, um, I, I love Britney too. Like I love, like the Oops, I Did It Again album. That's like, oh. I, that album is so fucking good cover to cover i know like it is even the b-sides i know and i i was talking about this with meow and we believe that the reason why and this kind of speaks to you too you're a vocalist as well but like britney could dance Mm -hmm. i didn't always see christina dance yeah like she did but like britney was next level dancer yeah she she had it and i'm just like wondering like what like why was that something that connected to people more than like her singing because she always lip sync and nobody cared Right, because she was putting on a show, you know what I mean? Right, right, right. Well, it's like, it's like, but you know what? It's like, and maybe that's why the gay community stood behind her so much because we watch drag all the time and they're lip syncing. <laughs> like, it's we're watching a we're watching the best drag performance ever because she's lip syncing, she's dancing her fucking heart out, she looks amazing, she has pyrotechnics and backup dances, and we're like, yes, queen. We're throwing her dollars. Like, it's amazing. Oh, my God. I That was the answer I was always looking for because Britney is a drag. Britney, 
Britney's a drag performer, and I love her for it. <laughs> she really is. I know, like, and it's just next level, like, the camp, the yeah. thunder, the whip cracks, the Mars, the yeah. high school. It's just, like, the bitch brought it, like, get, like just time after time. Uh, I love it. Yeah. Iconic. Iconic. Go ahead. Um, okay, so last thing I want to do is I want to share something that I saw, okay? So let me explain where I saw it. I saw it on YouTube. It's called Mystery Box, okay? And it's basically, the production is they have comedians come on and tell stories, okay? Yeah. And I've, I've seen some other productions like this too. They're not really, they're comedians. They're not really doing a set. They're, they're telling a true story about something that they experienced or, or observed or something like that. And it's just one story. And, you know, it, it's just very entertaining to watch. OK, so this comedian, her name was Christine Levine. Christine okay? Levine. I love it already. Now, at the time, I didn't read this. So I, I, I went back to see really what Mystery Box was about, what their mission was. And what they, they do is it's story sharing with the goal of normalizing the conversation around sex and sexuality. Mm. So that's the theme behind what they're doing. Okay. So I didn't know that at the time that I listened to this. So Christine Levine is up there and she's, this is the story that she tells. I'm going to do it the best that I can to tell the relevant details. Obviously I'm going to be missing a lot of the comedic inflections and, and things like that. But the story is important. I felt because she really, she slapped me in the face at the end and I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm dead. So she tells the story. She worked in a porn store for like 15 years. She, she opened it by saying, this is the story that I tell when people say everything happens for a reason. And I'm like, oh, bitch, <laughs> she about to fuck us up. So she worked, in, she worked in the porn store for like 15 years. Okay, so that was like a big part of her persona at the time. Now, a guy came in and she says he ordered what she calls the gay happy meal. Okay, he orders lube, poppers, and a condom. The gay Happy meal. Um, <laughs> oh, oh my God, that's so good. Go I can, bitch, I cannot wait to go back to McDonald's. No, um, <laughs> and so he orders the gay happy meal and he goes back to the Jack Shack. Now, are you familiar with like the concept of a Jack Shack? I'm not, so please tell me. So a Jack Shack is a lot of porn stores actually have an area you can go and pay to watch videos, okay. jerk off. There may be a glory hole here or there. Um, I don't know. I've only read about it. <laughs> okay, so... Um, you better send me this video recording, by the way. I will, I will. Okay, so I her co-worker comes over and he goes, um, something's wrong in in, uh, in room three. I guess you have to like put money in or something and it ran out of time and the lights were just off and nobody was, nobody, nothing was happening, but the guy was in there, the guy that ordered the Happy Meal. And so she goes, sometimes, you know, they fall asleep or, you know, whatever. So she goes and knocks and wakes them up and like, oh, you got to put more money in. So she's like, all right, I'll go back. So when she goes back, she's talking about this regular that is always there. And uh, she calls him Senor Nosing. And she goes, the reason I call him Senor Nosing is when I go back there, he'll be like lurking around and I'll be like, what are you doing? And he's like, Nosing. And then he like sashays away. <laughs> Senor Nosing. <laughs> Nosing. This bitch and you are twins, P.S. Like, <laughs> I get very similar energies from you too. So, um, so she goes back there, right? She knocks on the door. Senor Nossing's like, I think he fell asleep. And she's like, all right, I'll, I'll wake him up. You know, go do what you gotta do. And uh, so she knocks on the door and nobody answers. So she opens the door 
and the gay Happy Meal guy is dead. Okay, this is a true story, real life. His pants are down, his thing is out, and he's dead, right? Mm -hmm. So she's like, holy shit. So she's, and she was explaining that, you know, there's two sides of her. There's the human side, and then there's the side of her that's worked in the porn store for 15 years. So she's like, the porn store side was like, this is an amazing story. She's just like I said before, she's like, oh my God, I can't wait to tell this story, right? So she she goes and Senor Nosing's like, is he okay? She's like, yeah, yeah, he's fine, he's fine, he's fine. She calls 911 and she tells the operator, she's like, She's like, well, what's the nature of your call? Is it this, this, or that? And she's like, well, well geez, I'm, I'm not quite sure which category this fits in. And she goes, that I work at a porn store, and there's a dead guy in one of the rooms. And the 911 operator actually catches an attitude with her. And she was like, oh, are you a doctor? And she was like, I just told you I work at a porn store. And she's like, so how do you know he's dead? And so she's like, now, mind you, I'm a comedian. So she's like, I know he's dead because I tickled him, and he didn't laugh. <laughs> <laughs> so now the now the 911 tech just hates her at this point, right? So um so anyways, she's like she's like okay, I'll I'll send somebody over. So they're waiting for somebody to come and she's like the human side was like I just found this dead guy. I need to know his name. This can't be just some John Doe that just died mm -hmm. and I just found it but like I need to know his name. So she goes in and she's like, you know, I'm going to look at his wallet. So she takes out his wallet. His name was Andrew, by the way. She and she was like, "Oh, Andrew. Wow." And uh, when she looked at the wallet, she also noticed he had $35 in there. Oh, <laughs> and shit. she's like, now back to me being my porn side, you know, I, I hardly think he's going to be missing the $35. So she takes the $35, right? And, um, and then the coroner comes, they look at the body and he goes, yeah, he said, and she goes, oh, can you tell the, the stupid ass operator that my diagnosis was correct? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he goes, all right, his wife and his daughter are gonna come pick up his belongings. And she was like, what? So she's like, back to my human side. I was like, can't we move like across the street or something? Like, do you really want them to come in and find him here? And she was like, he was like, you'd have to, there's like a, a lot of fees and stuff like that. And they'd have to incur more costs. And it's better just to let what happened happen. And so the, the lady comes in for his keys. And so the co her co-worker gives him, and the lady's like just so destroyed. And she's with her daughter and all this stuff. And she's like, the human side of me was like, I want to go to that funeral. And I want to say like, it's okay. The way to that he died is okay. Like it was a quick death. Like, you know, there's no need to feel shame about it. She said, the whole point of this story is I did go in and I checked. He ordered the gay happy meal. He was watching gay porn. He was married to a, a woman who probably felt like he needed to be married to a woman. He had a daughter. He was hiding this side of his life from her because he felt like he couldn't. And now he's dead. And she's like, so the point is be free people. And if you're hiding from something from somebody, tell them and i was like yeah wow i was like i thought this was just be gonna be 20 minutes of dick jokes right because uh, and i also was like when she, when you said that she said that this was a this is what i tell people when they say everything happens for a reason i thought she was going to say oh no it doesn't and then hit me with like this story but yeah. it really confirms like that idea i guess right of like no you know we we need to live our lives out in the open and then honestly yeah. otherwise this happens oh. yeah i was like wow, that, wow. I, I was also thinking that that needs to be a movie produced written directed by and starring scorpios only because like Ooh. scorpios would love that story yes 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 but no i love it because i have pluto and scorpio and i would be like wait a minute what happened next
Like, I'm just mm-hmm. in. go ahead. Thank you for sharing that. I'm going to be thinking about that, like, for weeks. I'm going to, I'm going to send it to you because it, it, you do miss a lot of, like, the comedic little bits here and there and, and the way she pulls the whole story together. I love it. Yeah, send it to me. Uh, well, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, this, so was, this, was a, this was a pleasure. I loved having you on. It was a pleasure watching you work. It was a pleasure seeing you in your interviewing element. You were so fucking good at it. I'm so glad that you have all this technology ready to go. You're also like a very prodigious storyteller. Oh, thank you. I, you know, it's, it's something that I'm still working on. I get it from my mom. My mom is a master storyteller. My mom can, <laughs> have you listened to the, the podcast with my mom on it? No, but I did, I listened to the one with you and Lakeisha, so I'll listen to the one with you and Okay, there, she's on two episodes. One of the episodes, we did a wellness check. You know, in the beginning of quarantine, when nobody was seeing each other, I did yeah. wellness checks, and I just called people and, and just see what was going on and share funny quarantine stories. So she did that, again, had everybody dying. She's a crowd favorite. And then on one of the later episodes, I did poop stories, and she shared, she shared a poop story. That was so fucking funny. Oh, I- I cannot wait to listen. Every Virgo usually shares a story of their shit. I'm like, um, I, I'm, I'm just constantly getting text messages. Like, I just listened to your mom. She's amazing. <laughs> I will totally listen to it. And no, she is a queen. You are. And I really, really, really appreciate you having me. Oh, thank you for coming and, and sharing such insight. Um, I miss you so fucking much. I know. I'm going to come back to New York soon. Okay. And uh, hopefully everything will be up and running and we can we can see each other. I would love that. I would love that. And thank you for contributing your gifts and your comedy and your humor. You are really in your element and it's amazing to witness it. And I'm so proud of you. You're welcome. (laughs) All right. I'll talk to you soon. Love you so much. Love you. Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Sneaky Little Heifer podcast. I will see you guys next time. So make sure you stay safe and stay sneaky and gay. Hallelujah. <laughs> Bye. Okay, this is what I would like you to do. I would like you to stop bossing me around so early. That's <laughs> you think you'd be used to it by now. No, um, first of all, can you hear me well? Is it loud? Is I can't it... hear you at all. Well, shut up, bitch. <laughs>